when you're on the right track, the energy just flows. Yeah, when you like believe in something, when you're you can easily stand by something when no one else will. Absolutely. Like you know that means something. And it's that inner feeling that you have that you know you're onto something, and it's just a matter of time putting the work, grinding it out, and just paying your dues, and eventually it's gonna grow into and manifest into something beautiful because you've fuck. The, you know the ten thousand hour rule. Yeah. You've done that and then some. You probably have logged in a hundred thousand hours in your trade. Yeah. So they say you need ten thousand to be at a somewhat of an expert level to carry conversations and be a, like a relevant person in the field. So you've already yours is beyond paying your dues. <laughs> you've paid your dues to pretty much what you've done. So just getting it out there and figuring it out and challenging yourself to figure out the different paths to. Yeah. It's That's a, the thing. It's like it's very easy to find something you like and just kind of chill. That's, I can't. I find myself doing that all the time. I get comfortable, and luckily I've married somebody who keeps nudging me, because <laughs> it's hardcore. I love yeah, it. She's I love hardcore it. because I get comfortable. I get to like I get myself to a point where I sell like two sculptures a month, and two sculptures a month is good money for me. You know, like mm. where I'm comfortable, all my bills are paid, all my shit's done. But then she's like, what the fuck are you doing? We try to figure out how to sell three. Not for the money. It's not because we yeah, need the money. Yeah, for the it's sake of for growth. For the sake of growth. She's like, because if you just get comfortable, which is my nature is <laughs> I'm a very comfortable guy. If you tell me I have to live in this studio, like this is my new home, I'll figure it out. Like I'll just mold <laughs> and I'll just say this is my new house, even though it's half the size of what I live in now. But if you put me in a mansion, I'll also mold. And like, so yeah. my personality allows me to be flexible. But however, what, that's a good thing, but it's a bad thing because sometimes you just need to kind of push and propel. Cheers, brother. Much love. Let's get this going. Yeah, I mean, I'm already going to use that. That was like the best way to start an episode. Are you kidding me? That was so deep and wonderful. <laughs> I love that. The... The mold to your environment. Okay, let's introduce you, Carl. Carl Martirosian. Is that saying it right? Martirosian. Marti that's yours, by the way. It's a nice oh, little gift nice, for you. Nice. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. For thanks for letting me. me start the episode with uh, what you just said, because that was beautiful. I'm probably gonna rewatch it and be like, "All right, Hyg, why are you doing this?" <laughs> <laughs> that was great. But I, I liked I like what you were saying with the whole molding to your environment. Now that's just you as a personality, like in your life. It's not even an artistic thing. Like you're able to mold your environment so that is that something that you learned over time or is it the way you were brought up is it the way you lived your life i mean how, how is it so easy for you to just walk into like any place and be like all right this is what i'm doing with now i think it's it was it has a lot to do with just the way i was brought up and the environments i was put in and it kind of forced me in a way to be grateful for what i had yeah. And like growing up, like, you know, I'm first generation, you know, children of immigrants. So we, growing up, I grew up in a small, tiny apartment. And at a certain point, you know, I was I didn't really have my room until I was much older. So like I would sometimes have to sleep on the couch. But I always felt rich. My parents like always like provided that environment. I never felt like oh like just because I don't have the house with the pool or I don't have yeah. this like. Looking back, I always I had my bike, I had my computer, I had all the things I needed to like, you know, like just be out there. And like, so even now, like if I'm driving uh, just a regular car, or I'm driving it like a Ferrari, like honestly, it's not going to make a difference for me. Like yeah. I just I feel the same. And I think that's I'm really grateful that I have that. Like part of it is learned, but I think a lot of it comes from, you know, like the way my parents raised me to just kind of be grateful what you have but also to a certain degree strive for more 
And it's that constant battle with me. It's like, do I want to strive for the best or am I comfortable here? So it's like yeah. what we were just talking about earlier. So constant, like challenging myself, but challenging myself in ways that are exciting for me. Yeah. So I'm not going to challenge myself saying I want to be a billionaire. I'm going to go open up 40 different businesses and do that. Like that's not me, but I am going to challenge myself in my art. I am going to come I would I come up with ideas that are difficult to produce, difficult to figure out and that's my way of challenging myself. So everybody has their own method, but going back to I think what you the question that you asked, I think it's both. I think it's a combination of, that flexibility is a combination of learned behavior and just uh, the upbringing that you've had. Well, it's super interesting cuz like even with uh, your environment and you know what you're taught growing up, like you still everyone has a, a certain kind of like instinct about what could be better. You know, whether you're okay with your environment, it's like, oh, I'm, I may not be a billionaire. I may not, my family may not be rich, but I'm fine here. I have everything I need. Like you can still have that attitude, but you still also have that thought like, but what if? What if? But the way you're speaking, what you're talking about, it almost seems like the what if was never really something that crossed your mind. It's almost like you didn't waste your time with it. Because like I said, no matter how comfortable, no matter how okay with your situation you are, there's always going to be the what if factor. I mean, a lot of great art comes from the what if factor. But growing up, especially as a kid, an immigrant in a different country, like it, was, it wasn't that you weren't striving for more. It was almost like you never even questioned what if. You didn't care to know what what if because you were too busy doing your stuff. It's like, I like to do this. I'm going to do this. And like Absolutely. the success level had nothing to do with it. And I feel like that is like the key factor from what I'm hearing in you being able to mold to anything. Because you see something and it's like, what is Caro going to do best in this situation? Absolutely. And I think that comes from just being grateful for what you have at all times. Because if you're grateful for what you have at all times and you have that gratitude towards the universe, that energy, things just manifest around you. And if you have a little bit of intelligence and common sense, you're like, oh, that, that's a cool opportunity, you know? Like maybe maybe I can, you know, follow on that and something beautiful comes out of it. So a lot of the like the amazing things that have happened in my life hasn't been where Caro sat down for months on end and drawn up a business plan or come up with this mastermind, you know, like strategy of how to, you know, do this and how to be the, you just, I've just kind of been myself. I've, you know, loved the people around me. I've been passionate about the things that I care to do. And, but at the same time, I've always been open to the universe, emotionally, mentally. And I've kind of gotten good at finding good opportunities and, you know, like capitalizing on those good opportunities. And I think that's the that's the method that's kind of worked for me rather than being very systematic about it and strategized and I have to do this today I have to do that I do that in certain aspects of my business because at the end of the day now my art has become my business yeah so I have to implement some bit of a strategy and uh, uh, more systematic approaches but the overall approach to life in general has just been let's be open let's be caring let's be loving let's enjoy what we do and just good things come bad things come too, yeah. you know, but the, usually the good outweighs the bad. And it's also just a matter of, you know, just your personality, just how you look at it. Is the glass half full? Is it half empty? And I tend to always look at the glass being, you know, full. Yeah. So that's kind of been my approach towards Caro Studios, towards my life, towards my friendship, towards my relationship with my family. And it, it works. So I'm not going to change it. <laughs> well, what's crazy is, I mean, Honestly, getting to do this podcast is great because I get to interview a lot of different artists, a lot of different creative people, and like some very successful, some successful, some still fighting for the success. And they all 
whatever success success level they've had kind of have a similar uh, story or mindset, whether it's completely different words being used. For me, all I ever hear now, very much of what you said is, there's a new skill on the block to learn. It's not necessarily being the best at what you do. It's being able to recognize the opportunities, like you said. Absolutely. It's literally become not even like, oh, this opportunity came up and I guess I just took it. It's like, no, recognizing opportunities daily is now a trained skill. Absolutely. You it is, and it's, it it's blowing my mind because it's not a tangible thing. It's not something that I can sit down and show you. It's something that no matter how good at it or bad at it you are, everyone starts at the same place. You either recognize it or you don't. And you kind of have to wake up every day and say, all right, I'm going to recognize at least two good opportunities today. Absolutely. Whether it means to go in the back, go to a go to a golden plated bathroom and take a shit on a golden toilet, or take the offer of a lifetime and have my art skyrocket. Like every opportunity that's good, you know, experience something new that's good for you. And it's literally, it's. I mean, I'm learning a lot just from hearing people talk because I've almost amounted every single conversation I've had up until this point to that simple skill, and you like literally just hit the nail on the head. I just, I'm, I gotta get better at it. I think everyone should get better at it, but I love it. It's, it's, it's incredible. It comes from being proactive because who cares if you're gonna be bombarded with a hundred amazing opportunities if you're not gonna be proactive and try to capitalize on those. Yeah. So the opportunities come to a lot of people, but not everybody, you know, follows through on it. Even if they recognize it, you know, like a lot of people recognize, hey, that's a good opportunity. I got to take the step, but whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's lack of work ethic, they don't take that step necessary because they start asking, what if, what if this opportunity doesn't pan out the way that they hoped that it, because a lot of opportunities that seem amazing at first, once you kind of follow through on them, they turn out to be okay or negative, but you have to be proactive. You have to be proactive. I don't care if you're an artist, if you're a brain surgeon, you have to be proactive in life because that is what gets you into the playing field. And if you're in the playing field, <clears throat> things are just gonna happen. But yeah. if you're constantly in your mind and you know, like you're more like strategizing rather than doing, it's difficult. You wanna be in your mind to a certain degree because you wanna kind of analyze and assess the situation uh, emotionally and mentally to a certain, you know, tangible uh, point. But at some point you gotta just get Go out there. For it. Go yeah. for it, Go for it. and proactive. Proactive and being open to the universe around you. Yeah, and also recognizing that good opportunities doesn't necessarily mean that everything after you take that opportunity is gonna be good. Absolutely. You know, kind of like if if it's if it becomes too easy, you gotta be start questioning, is this actually something it's that's good? It's too good to be true. You know? But even if it turns out to be a bad opportunity, you can't be like, oh crap, this don't turned out to be, don't take know? anymore. No, because that's a learning experience. You took, a, you, took a, you, you made a move, that move went to a certain point and you thought it was gonna be this, but he took a right turn and he ended up being something else. But you learned. At the end of the day, it's all about learning. And it's all about learning and bringing that knowledge towards the next opportunity. So I, I like, I like what you're talking about because I actually really want to know this specifically about your journey because you haven't always been the artist that you are working on the projects you are. Um, you know, let's see, I mean, you've known me since I was like born basically, but you went to school for architecture. Uh, after that, you went into the art business and did so many different things in the art business, like incredible, like pretty much should run the entire thing. And then all of a sudden you make this out of the blue switch, at least to me it was out of the blue to become an artist. Um, I want you to walk me through, if you can, 
the architecture, the art business, and becoming an artist. Not every detail, but I want to know the choices that led you there. Because to go to school for architecture, you come out of it and then you jump into a business that wasn't architecture. I mean, it was literally you know, managing my dad's art or working on my dad's art and taking care of the shows, which was like so business related, totally opposite of your schooling, totally. and then went right back to art. So talk to me a little bit about that. You started an architecture school. Where, where was your mind at regarding your life then? Great question. It was a, it was, it's been a beautiful journey. I, I got to just always say that because I never in my wildest dreams would think that I would be here today. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it. And it feels so good because it just happened through the opportunities that we talked about. And some lack of opportunities because yes, I studied architecture and I, it was an intensive seven year program. I did a few years here. I studied at the Academia in Florence, uh, in Italy, and I came back and this is 2008. I'm like thinking, oh my God, this is the greatest. I have so much great knowledge. I'm gonna take over the architecture world. And then I quickly realized and you know, like there's nobody hiring. 2008 was at the worst point of our economy and I couldn't find a job. So a couple of months passed and it was fun at first, you know, I'm just taking some time off, school just ended. But then it got to a point where like, hey, something's not right here, you know, like with the amount of knowledge that I have, the amount of education that I have and the amount of like good quality work that I have in my school portfolio, I should at least be able to get some kind of a job yeah. to get me started. But banks weren't lending money. Banks aren't lending money. There's no construction going on. If there's no construction going on, there's really no need for architects. <laughs> So fortunately, again, an amazing opportunity came up where your father, who's been a part of my life ever since I've been a young boy, said that, hey, you know, like, why don't you come and help me out with my business? And growing up, I was always kind of being seeing what was going on because I would go to a show. We were all my, part of that. We were business, all part yeah. of it, whether we wanted to or not, just, yeah. you know, just through our family. And. I'm like, you know what? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, like it's this is a world renowned artist asking me to like just go and let's see what happens. Yeah. So, I took on the opportunity and <laughs> just like what we talked about, the opportunity came, I took it on and it turned out to be an amazing opportunity. What was crazy is you excelled at this. Cuz I mean, I every time I hear my parents talk about you, any time regarding like, oh, when Carl worked for us or worked for me with this one show or this one thing, it's always like Carl could do it. Carl could pull off. You were like this golden employee, this golden child that showed up. I don't know if it was like that from your eyes, but you were kind of the guy Thank that you. everyone knew Thank could you. pull it off. So it was incredible to watch just like you jump on this opportunity, all of a sudden you're fucking excelling at a huge rate. Because so. the things they were asking me to do was part of my essence. Yeah. They weren't asking me to do things that were, you know, like against what I believed in. Everything that was there, they were asking me to do was, oh my God, you have to dress up nice and you have to go to these amazing shows and you have to travel and everybody's <laughs> with you and you get to talk to beautiful women and you get to talk to great intelligent men and, you know, talk to them about art, talk to them about their life. Be surrounded be by Be surrounded by culture, you know, constantly. You know? How could I not excel, you know? Like, it yeah. was such an amazing place to be in. And that's why I'm just so grateful because that kind of 
I didn't know, but that was building my foundation for my art. Like I never knew I would at some point start creating myself, but being around all that creativity, whether it's in your dad's studio or at a trade show in Singapore or at a trade show in New York, you're constantly in this world. And I guess in the back of the head, in the back of the brain, it just starts, things start happening, things start bubbling, you know? So like that set an amazing foundation to basically what led me to my art. So like I did that for many years and then I transitioned into doing operations management, which again was for the high-end furniture industry, which was still tied into the creative. And that again was an amazing opportunity because I was managing this huge facility with you know, a lot of people and, you know, I was getting to learn so much firsthand and it was amazing because financially it was amazing. Like the amount of experience that I got to gain was amazing. But through that process is where I realized that I'm a hands-on person and that job was becoming strictly managerial. So what would happen at the end of the day is I would get home and I've put in all my energy at work, but I would still need to do something. There was something missing. So, you, to, you know, get just get hands my dirty. hands yeah. dirty. Exactly. And I would just come home at the end of the day and I would, you know, open up my portfolio for my architecture's classes. And I would just take like sticks and matches and stuff. And I would just make these little wooden models. Fuck yeah, And dude. then it's like, <laughs> and then these little wooden models, I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like maybe let me make a big size. So I made a big version of my first piece. I hung it in my house. A couple of my friends came, two out of the three asked me if I could, they could buy it. And I'm like, uh, I never thought that, you know, something that I made at the time in my bedroom would have value. Yeah. And it was like such a cool feeling, you know, people are willing to pay you not that much money at the time coming. Even going, a cent for exactly, something you created. You something know? that I made in my bedroom with pleasure. You're willing to, you know, like pay money for it and hang it in your home and you're gonna look at it on a daily basis. I'm like, man, this is amazing. So I I made the first piece, I took it, I installed it. They got so excited, it was like such a big deal for them too. And it was the greatest feeling. I like I can't describe it, you know? Like I brought joy to these people through something that I just kind of just made. So it just became an addiction from there on. It's Did like, it feel kind of like the the tapping into something like after all these years like experiencing so much of something and then finally like you were like shoot like hitting a target, right? Like everything was around here and all of a sudden you just kind of got it right in the center. And you're Absolutely. like, "Oh, was it one of those Take or was a it hose, just like uh. wind it up?" have all that pressure build up in there, all that knowledge, all that good yeah. information, and then release it. And it's that like fine pointed, like laser accuracy, focused energy, just zooming out of there. That's like, what it was. That's what he was. Damn. He it's was like, like one like in a million here. right there. One in a million because it was like my whole lifetime. It wasn't architecture school. It wasn't working. For, it was everything in my life had come. And he was just converging into this fine laser point accuracy point where it was just all of my like <laughs> creations just That's coming incredible. out. And within that first year, I probably within those first years, I produced more work than I have in the last two to three years combined. Yeah. Because it was just a, it was like the faucet was open to the max and it was just all these ideas pouring out. And because at the time I wasn't, Caro Studios was not a business. It was a hobby project. Yeah. So there was no financial responsibilities. I had a job. At the time, we were just married, so no kids. Like, we had a very, like, chill lifestyle. So, like, 
I could just go all into my business. So it's also another thing that I got to give credit to is timing. Mm. Sometimes a good opportunity will come your way, but if it doesn't come at the right time, it's not as good of an opportunity. Interesting. Give me an example. If Caro Studios had not come into my world at that period of my life where I had a job, my wife had a job, financially we were good, I had an extra bedroom in my house where I could turn into my studio. So like all the of pieces these pieces aligned. All of these pieces aligned, that's why like the foundation became so strong. If that opportunity, let's say, came to me now where I have way more responsibility, I have way more things to think about. I don't know if the creative output would have been as would have been substantial. So do you think these kind of opportunities, do you think they can come at a wrong time or do you think opportunities at that level only have right timing? Because if it's gonna show up and you're gonna recognize it, then that has to be the right time, right? Because if, say if you didn't Great have question. it, if you were surrounded by all these things where you have a newborn baby, you have, you know, you're, you're, this is your business now, all this stuff where you have a lot more responsibility, you can't just spend all your time working on a quote unquote hobby. You know, do you think you would actually see that opportunity? Yes, you would. It would just be harder. You really, so you think you would, but it'd be harder. You would okay. just be much harder because along with a new baby comes more responsibility, less sleep. Less sleep means that like some people are able to create when they're in like places of tension and yeah. I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm not I, I, I need tranquility and peace and quiet because my best creations come there. So let's say he didn't come at that point and he came to me today. Yes, I would still recognize the opportunity. And yes, I would still put in my all to build it. But the process also would have would take longer yeah. because I don't have all that time. I don't have the mm. you know luxury now of staying up till three in the morning yeah. and just working and not caring. Like I have X wow. amount of time. So it has to come at the right time. And to answer your question, any time is a good time for the right opportunity. However, it would just take a little longer for that opportunity to manifest fully. So you basically, as like you talked about earlier, like being proactive, like being proactive is not necessarily mean that you have to keep working on it. It means that you have to not only recognize the opportunity, but recognize what you're able to give to the opportunity and understanding and accepting that you don't have the luxury of all this time right now. It's going to take a little longer, but that's when you question, like if it was actually something you want, you would, you wouldn't you mind would, how long it took. You would still very, make it This work. is a really like deep and like intricate perspective on the idea of opportunities. Cause people are very quick to say like, oh, you gotta wait for, you gotta find the right opportunity, jump on the right opportunity and you're set. It's like, like you said, the right opportunity doesn't always come at the right time. See, for me, I've always kind of had the, the mindset of like, if it is the right opportunity and it is something that impactful and that big, it has to come at the right time because the right time is the only time you'd be able to recognize it. But if you learn the skill to recognize opportunity, then you can find the right opportunity at any time. Anytime. That's fuck. damn, I love this. And at any I'm getting time. educated today, I love this. You're asking the right questions. <laughs> so it's flowing. So you were in the, you were, so you're working in the art business, you're working in the, at this point you're working like furniture, logistics, kind of like managing all that. And you had this experience with your friends, you know, it's totally life training. What was kind of like the, the threshold? What was the, the breaking point for you that you said, I'm done with everything else, I'm, all I'm doing is art? Like, what was that decision like? Where, when did that happen? After a couple of months of, you know, seeing the potential 
and getting the support, whether it was from your mom and dad, whether it was from my parents, whether it was from people that were already buying my art. Because at that time, I started testing out little markets, doing like little local shows or maybe just connecting with someone on the Internet. And I, I realized that there's an opportunity here to actually make this into a business. I just didn't know that it would be the type of business that I have today. And I sat down with my wife. And at the time, she had a she had a you know, she was she was working. Uh, she had a federal job, so she was uh, doing her thing. And I'm like, you know what? We're in a position where. Can you allow me one year to see if I can make Caro Studios into a full time business? And I got to give her a lot of credit because she saw my passion. She saw my quote unquote talent and she decided to roll the dice where others could have said, no, you know, you need to get a job. You need to do this. Like she believed in you. She believed in me. She didn't say, oh, you're 30 something years old. You need to like already like be on this career path. She was basically (laughs) said, you got to do what you got to do. I support you fully. And I believe in you. And within that one year, things just blew up. That wow. Within that one year, I was able to make enough sales where I was able to cover all my expenses. And really? Wow. And I'm like, I'm not, I didn't make tons of money, but I made enough money to say that, hey, by doing this with this much effort, I made enough money to cover my base. So if I double down on this, then I have the opportunity to make this into a business. So that one year, it was a little bit of a risk on my side. It was the support of my wife and it was the timing of the economy. Things had picked up Mm. already. So people were starting to spend money on art. So that one year kind of really uh, allowed me to really test the market, really get myself out there. And once that happened, I'm like, okay, I'm addicted. This is what I got to do. Now I really got to make sure that this is my life. So a big part of it too is having the right people around you. Absolutely. You know, I just I've been Absolutely. I've been read, reading a, on a reading binge right now. I'm reading a book a week right now. Um, I mean, it depends on how thick the book wow. is. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, and I've never really been a self help kind of book. You know, I like you know philosophy. I like science. I like all these like crazy you know theories. I always like you know it's enjoyable. Um, and someone gave me a book, and it was uh, in the classified as self help. And I was like, all right, it was short enough. I'll read it. It was freaking spectacular. Like it was great. It was actually like literal things to practice during the day, things to do. So I, I gave it a chance. I tried it. But one of the biggest things that it talked about and something that I, I think the way it hooked me was this. I read it and it talked about the people you surround yourself with and how everyone says like, oh, you got to surround yourself with positive people, the right people, isn't that? But everyone can say that, but the amount of effort it actually takes to build a community around yourself. The amount of saying no to certain people, the amount of saying, I may love this person, but they are toxic for me and saying, removing them and hoping for the best, but saying I'm come first and eventually getting somewhere, you know, having the attitude that says, I love myself and eventually standing up for yourself surrounds you with the right people. And I truly believe from everything that you're telling me, you never hesitated to manifest what was best for Carl because you believed that the world was going to be good to you because you were good to it. And here you are this many years later, this many career changes, this many experiences later with this opportunity said, hey, I wanna do this. And it's not that you have to sit there and stop before I do this, I gotta surround myself with the right people. It's that that opportunity came and because you had surrounded yourself with the right people, because you chose the right woman, you said, yeah, here's a year. Do exactly what you need to do. 
And that right there is why who you surround yourself with is so important. Not because you need to feel good about yourself every day. Not because you need someone telling you you're great every day. Fuck that shit. That's your job, right? Exactly. But because when that time comes, when you need to give everything you are to yourself to create something beautiful, create something great, those people are there to make sure you can. I mean, that's just a beautiful, beautiful example. Again, there have been people out there that have built empires with so much tension and people that have not supported them and have constantly put them down. But it's so much better when people around you are the right people and they support you. Just the, the, the way it flows, it just is amazingly better. Well, so I'm classifying not- those people too because the people that put them down and cause attention, they're classified in those successful people's lives as motivators. Like I, I don't spend all my time with them, but this, I remember these people Absolutely. and I visit them to make sure I, rem- I remember if I'm like, can't remember why, I'll go there and be like, that's right. Absolutely. But when I go home at night, when I go out with my friends, those are the people that I keep to allow this to you know, accomplish, Absolutely. you know? Organization of humans. <laughs> um, yeah. No, man, it's, that's, that's also another thing. Like, I'm very fortunate to just have had good quality people in my life. Like, with the exception of, you know, like one or two here and there. But yeah. for the most part, I don't know if, if it's been my energy that's attracted Hell these yeah. people. Hell yeah, you're doing 100%. I just, I'm very fortunate from whether it's my family, whether it's my friends, I'm just like, I can go to any of them and I have everybody like, I just felt like I was bound to be successful because of I have an army behind me. Yeah. And that's, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to have because it just makes the process so much better. I love it. I fucking love this. this is like one of my favorite stories so far. This is an educational story. Um, so becoming an artist, uh, once you're an artist, once you say, you know, it's been the year, right? You've done your year and now this is your career. What are some of like the most crucial choices, sacrifices, the rules? If you, if you had to set us a, a list of rules for a new artist that you have to abide by, this is the sacrifices you have to make. This is what time you have to get up, you know, things like that. Do you have any like rules Absolutely. that you set for yourself? So when your art becomes your uh, financial uh, is what's going to basically carry you financially when you make that decision to make your art your business Mm -hmm. a lot of things change because you have to play this balanced game of what I want to create versus what the market is also looking to purchase Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of things I want to create but it's so like out there that most likely an amount of money because all my stuff are like built and manufactured. It's not, you know, like a painting where I can experiment with it. And if it's not good, I can tuck it away somewhere. Anytime I develop an idea, it costs me thousands of dollars to create the prototypes. Yeah. So I have all these ideas that I want to create. However, a lot of them, I don't know how the market's going to realize and recognize. So is this constant tension of what you want to create versus what the market wants. So my rule has become for every five pieces that I create for customers based off of commissions that they've placed, I give myself the time and the budget necessary to develop one piece that's totally mine. That I don't wow. care if he sells, it doesn't sell, even if nobody likes it, no one like doesn't even want to look at it. That's my piece because I wanted to make it. Because if you don't do that, 
then you get caught up in, oh, I got a commission, I make the commission, I deliver the commission, moving on to the next commission. It becomes like, it becomes like a factory. Then it's no longer like this creative studio space because you just get caught up in bills, you get caught up in obligations. And that's been one of my very first rules that I've I implemented that. And I don't I, I wish I could remember who told me that. I didn't come up with that on my own. Yeah. Somebody with a lot more experience told me to do it like that. And it was one of the greatest things they could have told me because it's really allowed the portfolio to expand, but at the same time creating the core products that, you know, are in demand. So wow. I gotta say that's one of the rules. Everything else Everyone write that down. <laughs> Seriously, that's whether it's your music, wow. whether it's doesn't matter. Like you have to do certain things to make money. If you're making if you're treating your creativity as a business, you have to do whatever it takes to cover your bills and make some money. That's a given because then you no longer have a business, then you have to go get a job. Mm -hmm. However, that should not be your excuse for saying I made 10 songs and these 10 songs are popular and I can make money on this and stopping there because then it's no longer, there's no longer this creative energy flowing. So then you got to figure out a way and be very good at time management to dedicate and give yourself a couple, whether it's an hour a day or it's 10 hour, one day a week, however you want to play that out. But you need to give yourself that time to create that new song that you want to create. You don't care. You might no judgment, no judgment yeah. whatsoever. So I think that's a very, if I can, you wow. know, provide some kind of like advice from what I've experienced to the creative spirits out there. I think that's a very important one. Do you think having that rule is kind of like evolved you as an artist in the sense that the more you create for yourself and the more you set aside that time, it's almost like things that you start to create for yourself are starting to become much more uh, market-based. Amazing. You said absolutely. And it's, it's not cause people will say like, Oh, it's selling out. If you do what the market demands, I'm like, no market demands what the market demands, right? That's fine. If you have a good product you believe in, there's a market for it. We live in 2019. There's a market, market for, everything. for everything. But I think, uh, I think what you're talking about, I think it's incredible because if you do set aside that time and you say, Hey, I'm going to write, I'm going to create with no judgment. I think what happens is your actual artistry develops to a level of mastery that is that most people never reach because they can't let go of judgment. And next thing you know, your natural creation is what the market, you've set the pace. Couldn't that's, have said it better. That's very, very true. I didn't even think of it in that perspective. That's fucking rock and roll right there. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Uh, that's, that's one of the best things I've heard. Rule, huh? I'm gonna remember that one. Yeah. Everyone you, remember that everyone one. Everyone remember that <laughs> one. Because it's the difference between the market's going to change. What's selling now is not going to be relevant in 20 years. But if you're constantly challenging yourself and giving yourself that little bit of capital and that little bit of time to constantly develop new ideas without judgment, that was the, that part you added, which yeah. I didn't say, and I think that's a critical part of this rule. Out of those ideas, maybe one will be a flop, two will be amazing, the others will be average, but you to a certain degree, again, with what you added to my rule is going to be at some point going to be able to dictate the market. Yeah. Because through your Damn. mastery. Damn. 10,000 hours in a non judgmental creative environment. Absolutely. That's mastery right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, sorry. I'm just like so. <laughs> I love that. I really, really love that. Okay. So that's, did you have any? It's okay. That, that's one. That's like fucking plastered on the wall rule right there you know top rule is there another one that you have like you know a daily thing where you know as a new artist this is something you have to follow every day 
you have to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself out there. You have to, whatever money you make, you have to reinvest it back into your business as much as you can. Because at the end of the day, if you're not marketing your art, there's so much stuff out there. There's so many distractions for people. If you're not marketing your art, if you're not getting your music in front of the right audience, it's going to get lost. And that's the that's a very challenging thing for a lot of artists, for a lot of creators, because we are do tend to sometimes be a little reclusive. You know, we like yeah, to create and be left alone. But when you make that choice where this is going to be my, you know, bread and butter and my family is going to eat off of this money that I'm making selling my creations, you have to force yourself to be out there, whether it's making cold calls, whether it's investing the money to go to a trade show, whether it's like doing advertising and social media or whatever it is, you have to dedicate a portion of your day to those tasks. And it's very uncomfortable at first because it doesn't, to most of us, it doesn't come naturally. But if you don't do that, then the cycle is not, the wheel is not spinning. Because that's what, while you're making the commissions that you've gotten this month, you're putting in those hour or two hours to network to put yourself further out there and that kind of generates the sales and the growth for the following months yeah and that's a very challenging thing for a lot of creators because like i said we just naturally want to be left alone and we just want to create and god bless if you're at a point where you can afford to hire a marketing team and all these people around you that will do that for you fantastic but at first, in order to get to that point, you have to do it. And at the end of the day, no one's going to do it better than you because you know yourself, you know huh? yourself. And at the end of the day, when you're selling your art or you're selling your music, if someone is going to purchase it. Their experience is enhanced so much more when they're purchasing it from you rather than your sales team. Oh, There's yeah. just this like amazing, beautiful, like intrinsical value that comes from uh, that artist connection. So I am very hands on with my business. I will d drive a piece to San Francisco if I have to, which I've, I've, I've done, seen multiple you done it multiple times. times. Yeah, like I will load up my car and I'll drive it out there and I'll install the piece because I want to give that person the full experience, and that's where like you know like that whole like symbiosis of like it, it happens and they, they become collectors for life. Yeah. So that's another rule that you just have to dedicate an hour or two to really focus on the business aspect of it. Yeah. And I'm talking about strictly if you want this to be your business. If you just want to be a creator yeah. and you have your nine to five and you have your making your money doing that, more power to you. You create and you do whatever you want. But if you want to treat it as a business, unfortunately, these are the sacrifices that have to come along with it. And it's also necessarily bad things. I think I think what I've learned as an artist, as someone that creates stuff and has to do that, along with meeting a lot of people, doing the show, you know, being in that environment, I think what I've learned is it's not necessarily the work of it that's become so difficult or hard to accept. Yeah, it's not fun. You know, we want to be, like I said, be recluses and just create all day. But I think it's the fact that because it's not, because it's something that we don't love to do and it doesn't have an instant result, it's hard for us as artists that have the ability to create with our own ability to accept something when we're putting all that time into and not Absolutely. getting a result. Absolutely. I mean, the result is coming, but not being able to say, I mean, like I could pick up a guitar and I could write a song. I could play a chord. And the moment I touch those strings, I have a result of a beautiful chord. That's where my, that's where my mentality is. 
That's where us artists that we create, that's where we are. That's our thought process. When we put work into something that one, we don't even want to do in the first place. And then we can't like, you can't just like build an ad and then have the world see it in 10 seconds. 10 seconds, no. You know, that because it's time. not that quick, it's hard for our, like the way our brains are wired, it's hard to accept that. I have an idea. How about, how about if you treat those two hours as a different form of creativity? Yeah, see, there's there's always a loophole. In All there. the things that you've accomplished, you know, this throughout your career, wouldn't you say that you thought of the marketing side of getting yourself out there? There's a lot of creative value. Oh, yeah. Creating this ambiance that we're sitting in today. So maybe if you look at that two hours of it, rather being the business side, the administrative side, and just look at it as, hey, I'm getting to use my creativity in a different way maybe takes a little pressure. In the yeah, I mean, the perspective will, will change everything. But it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's like, it is. I mean, they always talk about accepting who you are, you know, who I am. This is how I work. This is how, you know, but stepping outside of that is necessary. But if I step outside of that, you're right. I can be creative about it. You can exactly. be creative about everything, everything. in this world. Everything. As cliche as that sounds, you could, I mean, that's just how it works. How We're it human works. beings. We're made to create. And we live in an amazing country where he allows us to be creative. Yeah. And he gives us, like, the support and he gives us the market to be creative. And so, like, this is the perfect place to utilize and tap into that. So as as a as a new artist, obviously, like you said, kind of like a one man show, basically, you know, you built it yourself. It just kind of is a hobby that turned into something. You travel to places to install them yourselves. You don't necessarily have a team. So as you were starting, I mean, you have to get supplies because, you know, your art requires certain materials, you know, and you in the type of your art. I mean, real quick before we dive into this, do you want to describe to everyone what your art looks like and what the what the materials just like the type of materials that go into it? Perfect. Good. So Caro Studios is a, I would describe it as a luxury studio that uh, specializes in designing and building three dimensional glass and metal wall sculptures and other aesthetic elements. So my artwork is like a hybrid between art and architecture because of its dimensionality and structure and grid that's utilized to create these uh, compositions. A lot of glass, I love glass, I love steel. And when you look at my work, I would say my work came from uh, intense travel and I would walk into these uh, amazing like relic cathedrals and I would see these stained glass windows and they were so beautiful. However, like they just had a dated feel because of the lead outlines and yeah. you know, like, so my idea was how could I take this stained glass like concept with this beautiful glass and present it in a different way to modernize such a ancient art form. And that's where this three dimensional uh, glass compositions came about. And uh, yeah, basically the studio does a lot of the work we do are custom commissions. So the sizes, the color palettes, uh, whether what the environment is that it needs to go in. So, and again, I take the lead. I do have people that help me. Now I've gotten to a point yeah. where I have a little bit of support, but initially it was a one man show, like you said, from buying the materials to the welding to. So with the buying the materials, like it's metal, it's glass. Like how did you find suppliers? Like. How research, does that research. We live in Los Angeles, and if you put in the time to do the research, it's one of the best places to live because 
within an hour drive of wherever you are in LA, there's a where there's a distributor of something. So you went and picked up like the, these metal pieces and these glass pieces everything, by yourself. Everything by myself. Wow. I would cut wow. myself. I would get <laughs> lost. I would burn myself from the well. Like a lot of like challenges came about. You would purchase the wrong things. You wouldn't need. You'd have to figure out how to store it or utilize it later. But if you put in the if the, there's the will to figure it out, like there's pretty much we have I'm not even talking about ordering stuff online where we Showing live in up. L.A., you'll find just about anything. Wow. And it's a really luxury to have because sometimes you don't want to wait a week. But if you know you drive an hour down south towards, let's say, Long Beach, there's a warehouse that carries that product. Fuck, yeah, you're going to drive down Hell and yeah, pick it yeah. up because you want it now. So and sometimes seeing that product, the materials you're going to use, like I love walk. There's this place uh, in uh, Sun Valley. It's called Industrial Metal Supply. They're huge. Think of like a Costco for metal. Any type of metal you can think of is in that store from different from brass to copper to steel to just some crazy, crazy stuff. For me, it's like like a field trip i just Toy go Star. there because yeah just walking around and seeing the different materials it also allows you to come up with new creations because of already pre-existing materials that are there that you had no idea about yeah so sometimes you don't have to like reinvent the wheel sometimes the stuff are just there and you just gotta kind of go and explore and play yeah and it's through that play that these new ideas develop so so I mean it's in, it's incredible because the architecture and the art side of it really work together because I love it. I mean if, if anybody uh, hasn't seen Carl's work yet, it's carlstudios.com. Yeah. K A R O studios.com. Right now, pause the episode. All right? Go look at it so you understand what we're talking about. You'll see the architectural and art art artistic side of it. It's incredible. Come back and press play. Um <laughs> so I love the fact that you were able to mesh those two together because I remember I Someone, maybe it was my mom, or I was in passing someone to mention, oh, Carl started his own art. I'm like, oh, cool. And I remember I saw it, and like you had three pieces. And I like hit you up. I was like, holy shit, dude. Yeah, I need this everywhere. It was like instantaneous. I even have that text in my phone. Dude, still. it was like, I, it blew my mind because I literally looked at it. I was like, this is art that you, I don't care how fancy and educated you are in the art world because you and I have both seen it, you know? Uh, Anybody looks at this and it's accessible to a human. It's structural. It's satisfying to the eye because of its architectural value. And then it has this beautiful, intense, like you're talking about the stained glass. You really captured that essence of glass. So simple when you think about it. Obviously, it takes a lot of work. But this, how simple it is and how structured it is, it's like the structure is bring, brings freedom. You Absolutely. put art on the wall that is structured and it allows us to visually feel free. It's incredible. I got to give a lot of uh, thanks to my architecture education because architecture, a lot of people, when they think of architecture, they think of uh, somebody sitting and designing a nice house or like a nice building. Yeah. But essentially, the core of architecture is problem solving because throughout the architecture education, wow. you're taught business, you're taught <clears throat> philosophy, psychology, building, design. And architecture is problem solving because think about it like let's say somebody comes and hires you to build a new school well they're telling you carl you have x amount of land that needs to include x amount of usable building space that needs to be utilized by x amount of people 
that there's so many factors that go into like this design. So like your brain needs to take all of this data and problem solve and di dissect it into more digestible pieces. Wow. So what architecture education does is doesn't necessarily teach you how to design pretty things. It teaches you how to take a lot of data and break it down into smaller fragments that you can now figure out how to attack this. So that knowledge can be utilized in your personal, like, so basically that skill that I honed from my architectural education, I'm able to utilize in different aspects of my life because at the end of the day, like I said, it's not designing pretty things, it's solving problems. And when you take, no matter how big the problem is that you're faced with, if your brain is able to take that problem and break it down into smaller pieces, build naturally a yeah. build a structure, then you kind of come up with a plan of how I can maneuver around this and figure out how to take that problem down. That was beautiful. So wow. that's architecture that's... in essence, in my opinion. People can describe it differently, but that's what, that's, that's what I gained from my architecture. Well, how, I mean, how beneficial is that? I mean, how many times have you heard freedom comes from structure? You know, like in a certain sense, if you can structure your day, if you can structure your time, Absolutely. you know, you have freedom and you've literally manifest that into a f piece of art you put on your wall. Absolutely. I mean, like, I mean, look, I, my father is a world famous painter, right? I've been around art and different types my whole life. And, you know, I definitely, I don't, I, by no means am I someone that know is super educated on what's good and what's bad. I know what I like and what I don't like. And when I saw your stuff, it was one of the first times I said, I was like, you know what? I want to walk into my house and I want to see that on the wall because it's pleasing to my senses. The same way you listen to the songs that you like, the same way you eat the foods that taste good, the same way your senses respond to everything Absolutely. else. This, it was one of those first things I saw. I was like, holy shit, it's just tapped in to what's naturally pleasing to Thank a human. You. I'm also uh, very fortunate to have chosen uh, glass as one of my main mediums because glass by nature it's sheer natural opulence and sheen is so beautiful yeah. on its own that I, as an artist, just need to figure out how to present it properly. Huh. Because the element on its own is gorgeous. It's just how do you present it into these the amazing- The canvases are done half the work. Exactly. Yeah, like the, your that. medium has done a lot of the work for you. So it's like your my job is only to create this internal structure that hangs it or presents it in this three-dimensional way and that's it. So well, very much like a musician. Someone like take the violin for example. The half the canvas is there. The violin is a beautiful instrument, creates a beautiful sound. But if you play the crap out of it and it sucks, it's like shattering that piece of glass. Absolutely. If you can master it and you can expose its beauty, learn your scales, practice ten thousand you can create what you're creating. I mean it's it's the same thing. The very canvas true. that's a great example. I love that glass. This is very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Yes. Something that just naturally is beautiful. When you're working with naturally beautiful things, you just have to figure out how to kind of really put it all together. And structure, like I'm a firm believer of structure. Like I know a lot of people want to live free. And like you said, freedom structure is freedom. Yeah. People have a misconception that if their day is structured, if there's regime, if there's like routines, that's a bad thing. No, it's not because the more of those routines and infrastructure that you have implemented in your day-to-day, -day, easier and more efficiently you're able to accomplish certain tasks throughout the day, you end up with more time at the end of the day. And isn't that ultimately what we're fighting for? To have more time to do what we love. So if you can, another advice is if you can figure out ways to streamline and create infrastructure around your day-to-day -day routines, 
I guarantee you, you're gonna is gonna at the it might take months, but at some point you're gonna get to a point where it's gonna allow you some more flexibility in your time. Yeah. So structure is not shackles. Structure is truly freedom. I couldn't agree more. I think it only works though if you give yourself structure. You have you have to be. What willing do you mean to, by that? You have to be willing to manage your own life and manage Absolutely. your own time. Absolutely. Because if you go around letting other people tell you what your schedule mm. is, you'll never be free. Very good add-on to the, what I was trying to say. You have to create the structure for yeah. yourself. It's not somebody's dictated structure. And you have to hold yourself accountable to it. It has to be just as important as you Absolutely. know showing up to work. Absolutely agree. Yeah, I yeah I I love that. I I think that's uh no matter how good we are, I think I'm I'm always trying to get better at that. Um, so your art, you build it, you've made it. It's not a hobby anymore. You start this business. How did you go about pricing it? Like, I mean, how did you go about deciding its value to someone else's like bank account, for example? I come to you and I, I, you know, you're doing your first show and I say, wow, this is my favorite piece. I have to have this. How much is this? Like, how did you get to that statement that's about to come out of your mouth? <laughs> Trial and error, but also having the, when I was working for your mom and dad, I went to a lot of trade shows, yeah. a lot. And I was surrounded by a lot of art. So whether you like it or not, you're going to see certain pricing of certain products that are out there in the market. So that already gave me a foundation. However, looking back, the first real glass sculpture that I made, I sold it for $1,500 to a friend of mine. And I was so excited because I got $1,500. Looking back, I lost money on that <laughs> sculpture. <laughs> because when I factored in all the material and all the time, I really didn't make any money. <laughs> so, But you make some mistakes and then you figure out like, okay, you also don't want to price yourself too high because you're going to price yourself out. So it's you have to be a little bit flexible with your pricing. And it's a lot of research, like research and seeing what's out there and kind of compare and contrast. And when you do these trade shows, like you have to be a little flexible on your prices. So you might have the piece up on the wall for 5000 but, you know, like people come and, you know, when they're hearing the price, they're walking away. Like you have to be okay. You can't let that bruise your ego. Then you have to say, okay, maybe at this point in my career, my piece is only worth 2000 And you got to be okay with that. And I did that. For about two to three years, I was playing with my numbers a lot because I was trying to not price myself too low where I'm not making any money. But I was also trying to not price myself too high where like a lot of people can't afford it. So it's finding that sweet spot. And when you find it, you know, you know, but it's also a lot of it comes from making decisions. Do you want to work with galleries? Do you want to self-represent? Well, now if you're going to work with a gallery, a gallery is going to take half of it. So if you want to make $5,000 in your pocket for what you've created, now you're forced to price that piece at $10,000. Mm -hmm. Or else if the gallery takes its, its cut, you're not gonna get your money. So it's you have to make these decisions too. Do you wanna self-represent? Because if you're self-representing, then you're doing all the marketing yourself and you pocket everything. Yeah. But if you wanna have more coverage and you want more people seeing your work, you have to work with online galleries. You have to work with physical walking galleries, but you have to factor in their commission. There's so it's a little bit of mathematic and it's a little bit of experimentation, but a willingness too. Yeah, you know, a saying like no ego. Yeah, no ego. Ego is a big one. Like you can't be upset if somebody you have something for a price for two thousand and somebody you know offers you a thousand. You can always turn them down. 
but that's you know like you can't be you can't get offended because they are valuing your art at a thousand you got to be very rational Mm-hmm. I know we get very caught up in our creations as artists, as musicians, because it came from within, and it's yeah. like. But at the end of the day, if you're making money and this is your livelihood, like you gotta also be very like a little chill and nonchalant about it, because at the end of the day, you know, like you're sharing it. You're you know, sharing. Your goal is to share exactly. it. If exactly. you're gonna get super like messed up over someone offering you thousand dollars less. And to the point where, like, you're going to just be stubborn Boiled. and forget about why you're doing it, then it's not worth it's it. It's not worth it. Absolutely. I mean, and of course, as you become more successful, you raise your prices to what you, you know, Absolutely. think it should be. You know, you become, you know, more important, whatever it is. And you develop pieces for different price points. That's yeah. what I ended up doing. So I you build a product line. You build a product line. So I, at first, all of my sculptures I were doing were big. And big means more expensive. But then I realized people love my concept and love my art, but they can't have the they don't have the money for the big or they don't have the space for the big that's a very common problem yeah. you know with art wall space wall space so i designed smaller ones for a fraction of the cost so then now so like that's where you figure out your price points you don't say oh i have to have my big sculpture be cheap just because everyone can afford it let's make a smaller sculpture with the same you know cool effect yeah that, that, that's uh i think that's a really really important aspect of i mean not even just you know art music anything i think you really have to know why you're doing it and if anything ever gets in the way of you remembering why in the sense of i believe in what i'm doing and i want to share it then you need to step back and question what you're actually fighting absolutely absolutely and you're gonna lose track of that once in a once in a while but if your foundation is strong you find your way back it might take a couple of days but so that's all about having a strong foundation so to get a little deeper uh, I like it. To get a little deeper before we uh, before we call it here, I want to know the same question. Like you value your art in the sense that you price it. How do you value yourself? How do you maintain almost like imagine a, a metaphorical price point on Carl when you sit down to do your art, when you sit down to believe in yourself and trust what you're doing? Do you have a process that says, I know why I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing and this is the value. Like this comes before this or this comes after this. Is there a value to Caro's process? There is a value. And for me, it's a lot easier because it's it's so like everything I do on my day to day, it's it feels so natural to my essence. So I don't really have to ask that question to myself too often. It's a great question, but just my day to day and everything that I'm doing, like it doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. Like it just kind of like, I just, this is what I have to do. And my brain has started just kind of thinking in that direction. So I don't really, I wish I should probably do it more often to kind of take a second to reflect, but I'm constantly just doing, 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 doing. So like to very well answer that question, man, that's a hard one. I mean, you don't, you don't have to have an answer. I just, I think, I think there's a huge difference between pricing something like the tan, like the physical value of what you create and the, you know, value to yourself of your time and sharing it, you know? Okay. Because like you could spend three days working on something, you know, and, you know, sell it for a certain price, but that three days can mean nothing to you. You're just trying to get to the end where that price to the point where that can, you can charge that price. Right. But that three, that three days has to cost something to you. You know, it's not money, 
but that time has to have some sort of value to you. It can be literally worthless as long as, unless you get that price, or it can be the most meaningful thing regardless of you get that price at the end of the day. So anytime you have a business, you're gonna get that business to a point where a lot of the things that you're doing on a day-to-day -day can be outsourced. Hmm. So that's a very uh, difficult thing that I'm also having that challenge with because I've kind of, I, this is my baby and I want to have like full control over it. Yeah, not ready to let go. You know, I'm not ready to let go. But at some point in any business, you have to get to a point where you have to say, you know what, maybe sending out these emails or doing this research can be done with by somebody that's going to make, you know, like a few, 13, 14 bucks, 15 bucks an hour, whatever. I don't know, whatever the going rate is. I have no, no I'm not familiar with that. But obviously you're, value is going to be more than that so it's a big challenge for a lot of creators because especially when we started something from scratch and it's our baby to let go and say you know what this is the time that i need to bring outside help and it is worth it it is worth me spending the money because it's going to free me up this many hours and because it's going to free me up this many hours my value is more than 15 dollars an hour so within that time i'm going to be able to come up with new ideas and do other things that are going to generate more uh, more business and yeah. it's going to generate more creative ideas so to answer the question is uh i would say basically just overcoming that challenge and when you get to that point, you know you've gotten to that point where a lot of the things you're doing during the course of the day could be done by somebody else. And finding that right person, that's the challenge though. It's finding that right person that shares your values, that shares yeah. your, like a lot of people neglect to get to that point because they're so like rigid with the way they do things. They're like, they think that that person's never, they're never gonna find that person that's gonna come in. But that's not true. There's a lot of very talented individuals out there that would, you know, love the opportunity to be in that environment. You just gotta kind of take that step and do it. So, wow. so it's a matter of like, you have to at some point decide what almost like, almost a price value of what your time is worth. Yeah. Like, and look it, and it, does, it doesn't matter dad. what you're doing with that time. It's your time. Yeah. At some know? point, your dad came to the point where he couldn't frame the pictures himself. He wasn't worth it. Not, not that he can't do it. Yeah. Your dad can do anything. <laughs> yeah. But he wasn't worth to frame the pictures himself. I'm sure in the beginning he did that. At some point, he realized that it's not his job to load the truck or set up the art booth, even though he was always there and involved and helping out because if he's sitting in his studio creating another masterpiece, that's what he should do. And in the beginning, everybody has to pay their dues, and which he did, which I did. I've loaded the truck. I've, you know, like I've done every, you know, like little bit of thing that you could do to have the business grow, which is essential because eventually, when you get to the point where you need to train someone, you have you have a full understanding. Well, they'll of how respect you works. more because you know they'll exactly what you're you, talking exactly. about. Exactly. You're not just some guy sitting on his high chair. You're like the CEO that's worked, you know, started as the janitor Absolutely. and then worked his way all the way to the top of the top Absolutely. floor of the building. So that's, I think that's comes with the growth of the business is recognizing when you've gotten to that point. And it's scary because now you have employee you have to worry about. Now you have payroll, different concerns, different concerns mm -hmm. like you're bringing somebody else into your sacred space. So like, but again, this goes, I'm strictly talking for some, a creator who wants to take their creations as their livelihood and they're treating it as a business. And if it is a business at some point, whether it's in one year or it's in five years, your business is gonna get to the point, if it's truly a business, that is gonna need outside help.
Yeah. Because your value is more than that outside help is going to cost you. Yeah. And you got to believe that that's the right thing to do. And you got to not be afraid to bring in that person, pay that person, compensate them fairly, create a f great environment for them to work in so you can focus on other yeah. things. Wow. I know. I think that's, that's, uh, that's an important thing. I think it's really hard to know when it's time. But usually there's signs, there's usually signs. things kick you there's in the signs. face. So before we go, I always ask, uh, ask my guests like, you know, about advice. Although this entire episode has been pretty much advice to anybody. <laughs> Sorry, wanting... I didn't know I was No, no, that, that's a good, I, no, it's not preaching at all. I love this, this is exact. Cause it's, it's very much in depth, very much passionate. I mean, you're obviously very passionate, but you're so self-built and you're so willing to express how and what you went through that it's like, I feel like at this point, anybody could listen back and be like, there's so much I need to work on to become better. So that being said, I'm still going to ask, do you, if say I come to you, Carl, I have a style of art I've just created. I've been working on it for six months. I've already sold two pieces and I want to make this my living. Um, and I want a piece of advice from you. You know, young artist comes to you and says this, what, what is, what is like the, top you know number one piece of advice or number top two pieces of advice you would give to that artist top two pieces of advice well know your market if this again this all goes back to is this something you want to do as a hobby or is this something you want to treat as a business if you decided that this is what you want to treat as a business and you're a young emerging artist know your market hmm. you have to know what the market is looking for color trends and it, it's this is not selling out like some people will look at it and say, oh, you're selling out, yeah, you're creating what, you know. It's work. But dude, you, it's work. You have to make money to live in order to continue creating. It's just common sense, yeah. you know. So you, if you, that's the decision you've made, you have to put in the time, you have to go to trade shows, you have to connect with other artists, designers, research online and figure out what kind of products are selling kind of guide the work towards that because th that can be your bread and butter. That can be your, it's still your creations. It's still something you want to create. Well, there's a market for it. There's a market already. The market's already telling you that there is a market for it. Yeah. So why reinvent the wheel? Reinvent the wheel with the advice I gave earlier on your own time with those one or two pieces that you're doing for every five pieces, the market's kind of yeah. pulling in. So you have to know your market or else the end of the day if if you're just producing and there's no demand for it you're gonna at some point you're gonna get discouraged and when you get discouraged it's gonna be really hard to get that motivation and energy back up to kind of get the wheels rolling again yeah so if you can have that research and analysis done it's gonna make that process a lot smoother mm. and the rest of it i guess the second advice i would give is don't be afraid to fail yeah. Like you're going to make pieces that are going to suck. You're going to make pieces that are going to fall apart. You're going to make pieces that are not going to look right. You're going to disappoint a lot of people. You're going to disappoint a lot of people. You're going to disappoint yourself. But you got to trust that it's that process. You got to trust in the process. Because through that process, the home run pieces are going to come out. Not every piece is going to be a home run, but for every, if you get it to the point where every even 10th piece is a home run, you're fucking golden. Yeah. So like, just don't be afraid of the work ethic, the commitment. Don't be afraid of the failure. Just put in the time and just figure out a way initially to supplement your income, whether if, if you have to keep a job. And that's what I did. The first three years of Caro Studios, I had a full-time job that I was doing first four years. 
and it's hard because now you've you know drained a lot of your energy at the job but you're coming home you have to create but that's what you got to do because if you don't have an income and you just drop everything and you say i want to be an artist well okay one month you don't sell anything the second month you don't sell anything the third month unless you got deep pockets and you got a big savings account you're probably going to be fucked yeah so <laughs> get a job something if you can get a job that's also in line with what you want to create as an artist where you can hone certain skills while making money for it dude that's like the best that's the ideal situation yeah so like and i had the privilege of having that because your father or the operation management gigs that i had i didn't maybe realize it at the time but looking back i was getting paid to do something and learn all the things that i'm utilizing in my work today yeah so you have to it's okay to get a job to kind of pay the bills until you develop a portfolio because it takes time to develop a substantial portfolio that you can go and present. You can maybe print a catalog or have like an online website or whatever it is that you want to do. So I think those would be my two most important pieces of advice. And damn good. And just, just, just do it. <laughs> just, just do, do it. it. <laughs> just do it. Good or bad, just do it. At the end of the day, it's still something. And it's if it comes from within, get it out there. I love that, man. That's solid advice. That's very good advice. Well, Carl, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, thank man. Thank you for the opportunity, brother. I look forward to having you on again. I feel oh, like you and I have a lot more man, to talk I, about. We can, I, I think we just scratched the surface. Oh, yeah, we just scratched the surface. This is wonderful. Well, thank you. Love thank you, you, brother. Man. Love you too, bro. And, uh, yeah, this has been the Studio Corner with Carl Martarossi. <laughs> Love that name. All right, man. Peace. Peace.